Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network invite you to discover your mission. A brand new in-depth monthly video series featuring engaging Catholic speakers who will challenge you to live your life abundantly. For only $25 a month, you will receive a personal monthly mission, including three full-length inspirational talks that build upon a new theme each month. Sign up for the Discover Your Mission tier at patreon.com slash patchworkheartministry today. Welcome to the Sowing Hope Podcast. This is a show all about implanting hope in our hearts. I'm Bill Snyder, joined by my friend Anne DeSantis. We're glad you're here for our uplifting conversation about faith and how it sustains our hearts through all the seasons of life. Thanks for walking with us. And good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Sowing Hope Podcast. I am Bill Snyder. And uh, it is a great morning here to be with you. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, No matter where you are listening from, we really do appreciate you being here and joining us for uh, this episode of Sewing Hope. Uh, As always, I am joined by my guest, uh, Andy, or by my host, uh, co-host, Ann DeSantis. There you go. I get the words out this morning here. It's early here in Wisconsin. But uh, welcome, Ann, and thanks so much for joining me as always. Hey, good morning, Bill. Great to be here. It is, it is, and we have a wonderful guest. Go ahead and tell us who it is. We do have a wonderful guest, and I'm I'm excited for all of you to meet him on this podcast. His name is Mike Perlow. He's from the South Jersey area, not too far from where I'm located here in the Philadelphia area, and he is the president and the founder of Perlow Productions. So welcome, Mike. Thank you so much for being with us. Good morning, Anne. Good morning, Bill. So nice to be with you both. And uh, and we've obviously spoken already before. And uh, great to meet Bill. And and great to uh, spend some time with two people who clearly have a lot of energy and enthusiasm about life. And same to you. On this morning, we all just celebrated Memorial Weekend, and here we are on this Tuesday morning, sipping our coffee and just uh, enjoying one another's company because we have a lot of great things to talk about this morning, Mike, about all the great things that you do and in your production company. And I would like to invite people who are listening to check out your website at perloproductions.com, if I'm correct? Correct, correct. Now, Perlo is P-E-R-L-O-W, so make sure that you get that correct when you check it out. And you will be impressed, as I was when I when I looked at his website, and, and just to see everything that you're doing um, in production work, Mike. So I thought maybe if you could start out, Mike, by telling us a little bit about your own journey. I know that when you were um, pretty young, you started to have an interest in production. Maybe you can tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, without uh, turning this to a six-hour, this is your life, Mike Perlow uh, episode, which <laughs> um, other than to me and my family. Um, no, I mean, I, so I would say that since I was a kid, I was always interested in I mean, back then it was, you know, a film with my Super 8 camera and making little movies. And I think just performing in general was always something I enjoyed, even though ironically, I was a fairly shy kid. Um, people hear that now, you like, you were shy. Yes, I was shy. Um, <laughs> I think part of it was, you know, youth lack of confidence thing that a lot of kids grow up with, right? Um, and so, you know, like I said, even as a kid, I was making little Super 8 movies with with my some of my good friends, and we do other fun things. And 
for those of you old enough to remember the show That's Incredible on TV many years ago. We I did do. Our own, you remember that, Anne? Mm -hmm. We did our own vision, a version called That's Impossible, where we oh. would find things that proved to be impossible. So I remember we like had some book. We tried to read a 300-page book in one minute. Nope, that was impossible. It was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> we were doing fun things, right? We did uh, what's called stop motion animation with like toys and other things. So that's like kind of the childhood part of it. And then, you know, I was always very much into the theater and for many years thought I had, a, you know, wanted to become an actor. Um, and then I think uh, really before high school, I started, and this is, it's funny when we get to the kind of the entrepreneurial part of things, I never really thought of myself as an entrepreneur, even as an adult. Um, but even back then, I had my own, I started a videotaping business where I would videotape weddings and birthday parties and bar mitzvah parties and things like that at like the age of 14. I had a company I called Video Tracks, mm -hmm. uh, which had an extra X because there was a music video show on, I think, Friday or Saturday night called Video Tracks. So I had an extra X to it. So, but that was like at the age of 14. Um, so there I was, you know, shooting and editing, uh, you know, creating videos from the parties. And then when I got into high school, and, and I should mention, even though I'm based in New Jersey, I'm actually a Boston native. So I grew up in the North Shore of Boston. So big New England sports fan. And there's a whole other story to that piece later. Okay. Um, but so in high school, we had what was then called a public access studio. Uh, and basically, like, it was a TV studio within our high school where people made all kinds of different shows. And eventually, I started co-hosting and producing my own sports show, which for those of you who are sports fans today, the show Pardon the Interruption on ESPN. We were part of the interruption 25 years before part of the interruption. Oh, wow. Two of my friends, uh, give you some perspective. I'm sitting there in my corduroys and my Converse high top sneakers, you know, uh, circa 1986. Uh, so that was the style of the day for 15, 16 year old boys. Mm -hmm. or so I thought. Um, and uh, so that was really, I think, where the first true um, exploration of all that interest and passion really kind of started to blossom because I was a host. But I was also kind of, I kind of took the lead of producing the show. We even booked some interesting guests on the show. We, you know, had a, had a podcast, podcast existed back then. I'd probably be doing the same thing, right? Just like you guys. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, we even did uh, shoots of the show on location. We did one at Fenway Park. We did another one at the Boston Garden and interviewed the Bruins, the Boston Bruins, the hockey team, their coach. And we did a lot of other things. So we were, you know, we were very creative. We even got an article about us in the local town newspaper. So that was very cool. And I think the other piece, which was never anything I really looked for, but was even realizing at that small of a level how powerful TV is. Because we would literally be in different parts of Boston. And mind you, this was public access that was shown in a certain number of towns in that area, not all over the city of Boston. And people would recognize us on the subway and walk. And it was crazy as like a 16, 17-year-old kid being recognized from a little public access TV show. So that was, you know, it was always a thrill. Um, and then I, I think I kind of transitioned from, okay, acting is cool, but that's not going to be a career for me. So I decided I wanted to pursue the second most competitive industry, which is TV broadcasting. You know, I never put it easy on myself. Uh, my dad was a cardiologist. <laughs> Probably could have taken okay. over to practice, never had any interest. Mm -hmm. um, so I went to Syracuse Theater New House School of Communications and major, majored in broadcast journalism. And I mean, for those who aren't familiar with the New House School, it is... Uh, it, it is like the Hall of Fame of broadcasting talent from over the decades. Uh, uh, I could list a whole a whole list of names. I mean, current ones are, are people like Bob Costas and Mike Tirico, uh, who are very you know well-known sportscasters, but not just sportscasters, a lot of broadcasters in general. Um, I'm leaving out dozens of names. 
Um, and so over those years, you know, got more immersed in kind of the TV radio industry and got a lot of hands-on experience. And then uh, the short, shorten up the story, spent the next 17 years as a TV sportscaster. I, my first job was a, a CBS affiliate up in Burlington, Vermont. Oh, wow. Uh, five years in Vermont, which is a pretty cool place to live for a while. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and, uh, interestingly tying into the, the faith angle of things. So I'm, I'm Jewish and I actually, at the time, uh, you know, first job in TV, I was probably making like five, six bucks an hour. So it was not a high paying job mm-hmm. as most small markets are not. So to supplement my income, I got different jobs. I bartended, I waitered, and I even, uh, taught religious school at a local synagogue for a year. I taught like, I want to say it was like fourth grade and, and this might be was at the time probably 26 27 and so you know it was like being a parent and so the whole piece of like managing kids as a teacher and dealing with parents was um you know my son's not having fun yeah well neither did i when i went to religious school you know (laughs) but it it was an interesting time like kind of my you know the the faith piece of my life and Mm -hmm. i always did have a bit of a and I've always enjoyed teaching, even though I never pursued it as a career. But I think even now within the TV production world and broadcasting, I always enjoy, you know, passing on what I know and teaching and, and speaking to aspiring, you know, students. And, and whether they're in grade school, high school, college, we have a friend locally, their son is, is in going into sixth grade and he is huge on YouTube, makes all kinds of amazing videos. I always joke like he's going to put me out of business someday. But I always love talking to him too because he's a great career of mine. Um, haven't fast forwarded enough here, Ann, so I apologize. I told you oh, little- no, take your time. This is um, interesting. But so, and so, you know, I did the, the whole broadcasting thing for 17 years, was in Vermont, back to Boston a couple times, got a job at a Fox at the Fox affiliate in Fort Myers, Florida. I was there for about three years. I ended up coming back to Boston again. That was kind of always my career goal was to ultimately land a, a TV job in Boston uh, for, for a wide variety of personal reasons, which are probably obvious. And so eventually I, I actually moved back to Boston um, uh, in between jobs, but also had landed some freelance opportunities and eventually landed an opportunity at what's known as NASA New England Sports Network and worked there as an anchor and reporter. So I reported, I covered games, I did human interest feature stories, well, all kinds of different things. Um, and I was also a, a fill-in anchor on this, what was then a morning sports show called Sports Desk. We would tape it late at night, and then it, they aired in the morning. Now it went, eventually it went live at night and 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 recorded in the morning. Um, but the cool thing to come from that is so in two thousand four, for you baseball fans out there, two thousand four was an historic season for the Boston Red Sox. They won the World Series for the first time in eighty six years, so it had been an exceptionally long drought um, from the curse of the Bambino when the Red Sox sold Babe Ruth to the Yankees. And so I was there. I covered the team in different ways during that season, very involved in the coverage. And after the season came and went, the big celebration and parades and all that. But a month later, uh, a few friends of mine start calling and texting me saying, hey, Perlo, you're in Stephen King's book. I'm like, what? And I'm a huge Stephen King fan, first of all. So Stephen King is from Maine. He's a big Red Sox fan, big New England sports fan. And um, turns out he was also a regular viewer of Sports Desk. And before that season, he coincidentally, talk about luck, he coincidentally decided to co-author a book about a season of Red Sox baseball with a friend of his mm-hmm. and picked the most historic season in 86 years, which is just like, you know, some people just have all the luck, right? I mean, how could he have chosen that year? Mm-hmm. Um, and so anyhow, throughout the book, 
he references sports desk and the, the people on it frequently, including myself. Is that and, right? Um, and so he mentions me by name five or six times. I should have thought to call this up. If I can call it up while we're talking, um, I'll read you really quickly. So there's a quote from him, one of the quotes from uh -huh. him that we put on the about us page of our website. It's just one line. And it says, this is what he wrote. It's Saturday and Mike Perlow is subbing. Perlow is one of those late 20 or early 30 somethings who look about 14. And this morning there's- <laughs> Oh gosh. Yeah. Well, I did, I was, you know, I did this. Uh, yeah. This morning there is no sparkle in the Perlow eye, no lift in the Perlow shoulders. We lost, I'm sure we lost. The unsparkling eye does not lie. Which is just like, you know, like, you know all these different kids are right. So like, right? Like, wow, that, so, that's worthy of putting on your website. Yeah, it's just, it's just it's <laughs> so cool. And then I actually met him at a baseball author's uh, event a few months later. So that was pretty cool. The only thing I have not done is gotten him to autograph my copy. So one of these days I got to get in touch with his uh, publicist and, and send him my copy. Oh my gosh. So, you know, and, so, and, and so, you know, eventually I left broadcasting, moved to New Jersey and um, kind of initially unintentionally started my production company, but it really came from finding other ways to use the passion and the skills that I had. And, um, even then, not really realizing that there was like an entrepreneur inside of me, right? I, I, I often refer to myself as the unintentional entrepreneur. Maybe there'll be the book, the name of a book I write someday. Um, you know, because it really was. Like, I never sat down and said, okay, I'm going to start a production company. Really, like, never anything I intentionally thought of until it started to happen and grow. And then at some point, I was like, okay, broadcasting career behind me. Perlow Productions is my focus uh, moving forward, and, and and as I will joke with some people, and since this is only audio, they won't see my official reaction, but uh, sometimes I'll say to people, I'll say, yeah, I, I love the company name so much, I made it my last name. And sometimes people actually think I'm being serious. I'm like, no, 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 no. no. Like, Perlow is my last name. I, you know, you really changed your last name. Um, so, and even the company name, it was just like something I needed a name to post certain work we'd done. I said, at Perlow Productions, it's good alliteration. So, um, so anyhow, Crazy enough, that's the short version of the longer story. But but it's, so it's been, you know, kind of a lot of different experiences that kind of led me to where I am now. And uh, while I miss broadcasting, I love what I do now. And when I have opportunities to meet people like you and Bill, it, it's, you know, and then kind of have conversations in different directions. I think one of the things I mentioned to you, Anne, is, you know, when it comes to the faith part of what we do, because we work with a lot of, you know, organizations of all different faiths, um, I find that incredibly fascinating because whether it's, you know, my faith or other faiths learning and in some ways it's almost more fascinating to work with others because you learn so much about what they're all about. And I think if you're honest from the get go of, listen, this isn't my faith, but I want to ask you questions. So I, first of all, I'm interviewing you. I can ask you questions that make sense. And if I don't understand something, not being so embarrassed to, to not be honest and just say, so explain to me what this sacrament means or explain to me why you're lighting this candle or explain to me why we can't talk right now, right? Like whatever it is and not being afraid to do that because to me, like, first of all, it's interesting to learn. And, um, and secondly, it, it gives me much better perspective going into any kind of production that we, that we're creating. So I, I, you know, I, I get what we're, what we're talking about and I'm, I'm not just an ignorant outside party. Well, first, Mike, I want to thank you for that story. And you told it so well. And I think that the people who are listening will agree that uh, it was just the, great, the way that you presented it. it it's, it's just exciting. And to see how God is working in your life, even up until this point with your own production company. So uh, I, I just think that's awesome. And yeah, I mean, what you just said about faith too. I, I, 
I think in life, uh, continuing to be curious and asking the right questions is always uh, what keeps us alive, isn't it? I mean, so when you're saying the questions about faith and when you're meeting different people uh, of different religions that you're working with, uh, with their faith services, especially right now during this COVID-19, right, where people are not at church or the synagogue or, you know, or at their church services. Um, so it's the perfect time to offer a service like what you do, Mike. I yeah. Mean, yeah. And it's interesting. So we right now we're busy doing a lot of the virtual graduations, particularly for high schools. Um, and and it's been an amazing opportunity and really an amazing opportunity to to give something to families that, you know, were having this graduation ripped away from them by, by COVID-19. And, um, but really it has grown into so much more. And I think more moving forward um, because I think whether it's, you know, a corporate conference, a trade show, a church service, uh, a Jewish high holidays or any, any kind of get uh, collection of people that is in large numbers, I think we'll be hard pressed to make happen in person for a while. And I think, you know, not to be the voice of doom and gloom, because I'm actually not like that. But I think the reality is we're probably, you know, either a few years or a, um, or, you know, much further medical advances uh, before we can have hundreds and hundreds of people in any one indoor place. Um, and um, so in the meantime, I think a lot of these events are going, I know because they're starting to reach out to us, are looking for ways to create what we loosely call virtual versions of them. So it could be something as basic as live streaming a prayer service. It could be much more complex with creating content that is then live streamed as part of a larger um, live event. So, you know, if you have a, a, a day long ceremony, you might have parts of it where you present live and parts of it that you pre-recorded because it also gives you the capability to prove something that looks better for the viewer, a better viewer experience. Um, and sometimes doing everything live for hours and hours as, as you and Bill know, (laughs) (laughs) technical challenges. So so part of it is making sure the experience for the viewer live is as good as it can be. And so people are coming to us from all walks of life. You know, this is what we've typically done for this. What ideas, how can you help us create a virtual version? Um, I think I was talking to an industry friend. We do a lot of work in augmented reality and a colleague of mine in, in AR and VR was saying that his feeling is that events and conferences moving forward will probably have both in position, a, a real version and a virtual version, because yeah. there will for a long time be people, even if you can go, that won't be comfortable going to a live event. And so you'll have the virtual ver- option, but also that way the event is covered because if suddenly you can't have people coming, you have the virtual event already in place. So you're kind of covered on both ends and you have options for anybody. And it'll also open up the event to people who couldn't come either for, you know, maybe they can't drive to where your location is or they can't travel or, you know, whatever, or even financially, if they can't afford to come, they can just go online and watch it. So I think, and I agree with them, I think a lot of this is is evolving in the way that events, and I use the word event loosely, you know, any kind of live group of people viewing, experiencing something, uh, even even concerts. I mean, I, I pray that live concerts don't go away because I love concerts. I couldn't imagine never going Amen. to see, you know, Billy Joel live, you know, oh, as yeah. long as he can still sing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, whoever your favorite performer is, I mean, I would, it would be sad if we can't go see them 
truly live. And I, I think that we will. But, but anyhow, so, you know, going back to the, the, you know, the prayer services and other, you know, whether it's, you know, the larger scale uh, Christmas Eve uh, prayer services or any, you know, whatever the faith is, whatever the purpose is, um, providing people creative ideas. So I think a lot of people that don't understand what can be done and technology has evolved so much and continues to evolve that allows us to do so much more. And then here at Perlo Productions, we take all our creative abilities as well. And so we're creating, uh, we just did a whole virtual event for an organization that was doing a, a tribute to a, somebody who worked with them a long time. So we had all kinds of pre-recorded segments where people spoke about them. We had people singing songs and we had photos edited to them. We had, uh, we recorded the part where one person was speaking about the other person and we had them both on camera, but it was all pre-recorded. But literally as we were recording it, the person being honored started crying and we had him Aww. on. It was like, it was amazing. So it was, honestly, it was as powerful as, it, as if it had been live. Um, so, you know, uh, are we going to start doing virtual birthday parties? Probably not, because that gets a little on the small side for what we typically do. <laughs> uh, and not really, you know. Um, but my point is that there's options for all these things. I mean, I've been part of virtual wine tastings. I've been all kinds of virtual networking events. Mm. Um, uh my mom does like my mom's out in Arizona and she does a virtual cocktail hour with a whole bunch of her girlfriends like once a week, you know, <laughs> the fact that she's figured out how to do that herself is, is you know, yeah, really. <laughs> like, oh, <God. laughs> yeah. No, it's amazing. There's, um, you, you know, I don't think it's, you know, people using that whole, the, the new normal. I, I think, yeah. I think our world is changing because of this and I don't think it's all bad. Um, you know, I think we're, I don't know about you and Bill, but I found also that like during all this, we've been forced to figure out how to do some things that we never did ourselves. You know, whether it's something as simple as cutting your hair, but other things too that you just kind of always relied on other people or other services. And all of a sudden you're like, I can't, I can't go to those people. I can't go to those places. So I have to figure out a way to do it myself. And, and you know, they always say like, you know, you, the best way to learn something is when you're forced to do it. And I, I don't know about two of you, but I, I've had a number of things like that during this experience that have really, at, at the moment I was like, Oh, this is not fun. But in the big picture, I look back and I'm like, well, you know what? I'm a bit more self-sufficient now too. Not that I don't want to go back to those things, but but knowing that I can do these things myself if I need to is is kind of an empowering feeling. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, one of the things I think, Mike, that you mentioned in there too is that you know this uh, this is a huge blessing for many many different places uh, to realize that you know this is going to change the environment we live in. So, you know, there's a self-sufficiency, but then there's also the realization that, you know, like my pastor here in Milwaukee, he said, uh, I am going to be live streaming the mass uh, as soon as mass returns forever. Like, you know, I mean, right now we're, it's only available via live stream and you know, I help with it out, out at our parish. But uh, once that's over, you know, once this ends and, you know, people do slowly return back to, you know, church services, concerts, all those things, there's going to be virtual options. There's going to be virtual options for those, uh, you know, to to always continue uh, the evangelization efforts, um, you know, the, the these large Catholic conferences that you see like Steubenville's or uh, anything like that. Uh, you're going to see uh, people participating in them. Uh, virtually, uh, you know, I, I remember even watching, I think it was two or three years ago, I was watching a VR uh, special for uh, Major League Baseball where they were, uh, you know, trying to sell virtual seats with the headsets on, uh, you know, or, you know, thinking about that, that technology is, you know, if it, if it was on the cusp two or three years ago. Uh, it'll, it'll be, you know, ready to, you know, go now, you know, I mean, when people are, um, you know, looking to return to the ballpark, uh, you know, to, to buy their virtual seat at Fenway and be able to watch it from, um, you know, a, 
a uh, seat there, uh, you know, with a with a VR headset on. I mean, there you go. I mean, there's so many different uh, realities that are going to be uh, coming out of this, you know, new normal. I mean, everybody's overusing that term, <laughs> new normal, but uh, you know, that's what's going to happen. And so, so I'm so glad to see that you are on, you know, the uh, kind of the front lines of of the, um, you know, entrepreneurial uh, front lines there to help people. Uh, you know, experience and engage the world in a brand new way. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, go ahead Anne. No, I was just going to say, I agree with both of what, what you both have said. And I think that having the two options for virtual and in person uh, is something that we should continue because, you know, COVID-19 is one disease, but, you know, there's always all kinds of other issues that people have that keep them from going to certain events, whether they're church or synagogue related or concerts, whatever, you know, I mean, there's other things that happen that hold us back. So I just think it's, uh, as you said, Mike, I mean, there's some good things that are coming out of this. And I think that's one of them that there is going to be that virtual option uh, for people. Now, on, an, on another topic, you know, you're talking on, on here, it's the Sewing Hope podcast. So we, we are a, um, a Catholic podcast through Patchwork Heart Ministry. And, you know, there's some people who are listening who are people who are members of churches or uh, faith organizations. And I'm just inviting them to consider contacting you, Mike, because you do help people who are uh, looking to stream some of those, uh, you know, masses and church services and Catholic events or Christian events, whatever, just events in general. Right. Um, but since this is the audience here, um, you know, I wondered, Mike, now you're located in South Jersey. So which areas, if someone is listening and they are thinking, hmm, I would like to use the services for an event, uh, how would that work if they are outside of the area? Do you do events outside of the South Jersey, Philadelphia area? Yeah, so the short answer is yes. I mean, we really, in general, work with clients nationwide, and in fact, even some internationally. When it comes to live streaming, so it depends on the nature of what we're doing. Um, for larger scale live streams, when we would traditionally bring in multiple cameras and a whole live stream setup and, and switcher and everything, all the technical equipment that we need, um, that requires us having a full crew on site, um, which we still can do anywhere again, because we've done those. Um, obviously those involve, you know, usually travel expenses and things like that. Or in some cases we will use, you know, like in a case right now, we probably, if we had a job in Orlando, we would not fly to Orlando given what's going on. But we can, we certainly have, you know, local crews that we can uh, have on that location. That being said, during a lot of this, I will say that a lot of what we've done, uh, so the virtual graduation is a perfect example because initially the concept was all based on everything being uh, what we call remote uh, remote capture. So either recording segments like we are on Zoom or having people shoot and record things on their mobile devices. And then we take all those elements and edit them together into a, a production. If it's all being done live, that requires a bit more technical expertise, which we also have. We can essentially do our, I don't want to get too technical, but let's just say we can bring in, outside of like a Zoom platform, we can bring in seven, up to seven different uh, remote presenters into a live stream. So if we had, you know, Anne in, in Pennsylvania and Bill, you know, where he is and somebody in LA and Boston, Chicago, we could bring in seven different presenters. Um, now they have to have a camera on their side. So this is the technical part of it. But essentially, depending on the scope of what we're doing, we can provide these services for anybody anywhere. Um, 
the remote moderation part, which is where, and it can be, this can be something as basic as if you're doing a presentation to 20 people on Zoom and you want to be able to focus exclusively on speaking and presenting, we, our remote moderator, which sometimes has even been me, but we have more technically expert uh, uh, personnel than myself that usually do it, where we do everything from spotlighting, which means when you're speaking, you're the one being seen on camera. When other people are, we show them. If you have any kind of graphics you want to put up, if you want to play a video, if you have PowerPoint slides, music, anything, we handle all of that and we also record it. And then we can give you the recorded version and even add other graphics to it afterwards that you can use for sharing online. And the good part about that is it allows you to focus on your presentation while we handle all the behind the scenes uh, efforts. Um, the other thing I'll mention, because this comes up a lot with, with nonprofit organizations in general, is obviously fundraising is a big piece, right? So in-person fundraising is a very different effort than online, um, no matter what the organization is. And so one thing we've discussed with a number of uh, nonprofit organizations is coming up with creative ways to encourage donations. So either, you know, something where in the live stream we, you know, text your donation to this number, or we can put a, a hyperlink in the chat column where you can click on it to make a donation. It can be set up through PayPal or any of those, you know, services. Um, so, so finding other creative ways to encourage people to support your organization. Um, and then somebody said something the other day, I don't remember who it was, but it was a great piece of advice that I've used since then to say to people is to tell people, if you're going for donation, this is just, I think, good advice for any of your listeners who are doing fundraising, especially right now, tell people, if you can't support us financially, you know, share our organization, share us on social media, like, like who we are, share us with other people, help us build our name and all of that. Like that, that is a donation as well, right? And I think that was such a great idea in my mind, which is, you know what? There's a lot of people right now that even those who want to cannot donate money to their favorite cause, their favorite religious institution, whatever it may be. But anybody can like, share, comment, all those things, right? That's just giving of your time. So I thought that was a great notion to share right now when it comes to you know, fundraising, which is it doesn't just have to be um, your dollars. Bill, I think you may have something to say because, Bill, uh, I know you. I've heard you say that before, oh, yeah. uh, like and share. So maybe you can uh, <laughs> make a comment or two. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I say that all the time on this program uh, because it's so true, Mike. You know, people that are out there uh, that are trying to raise money or trying to get uh, a service or a product out there, um, right now, it is it is difficult, um, and and you know as as a production company here, uh, what we do uh, between Fiat Ministry Network and Patchwork Heart Ministry, um, you've got some great advice. So if you're listening to this, uh, you know I I constantly tell people just hit the share button, hit the subscribe button. If you're listening on YouTube right now, hit the subscribe button, like our ministry. I know Mike, you already did that yesterday, so I thank you for doing that. Um, but yeah, because that way you get the content and then you get the free content that people produce uh, and other people get to see it. And that's such an important thing. You know, this is about spreading, um, you know, quality programming. It's about spreading hope. It's about spreading all of those, uh, you know, good things that our society is trying to, you know, talk about uh, and and do. I mean, you know, the things you're doing, Mike, uh, you know, the graduations, the church services, the, you know, these events that you're promoting, you're promoting good wholesome things that people want to be a part of just, just, uh, you know, and they can't get there right now. So remember that all these things uh, cost money, all the technology and all the switchers and all the computer systems and everything costs money for people to put these events on. And so if you can't donate uh, financially, uh, and that's, that's 
totally fine. We understand that we get it, but it's very easy to just click a share button or a like button. Um, and, and so you're so right about that, Mike. I really appreciate uh, you saying that because it's it's so true. Yes. Um, I, I just, as we're almost uh, a little more than halfway through, for people who are just hopping on this podcast now, just to invite you to please look at Mike's website, learn about what he does. Uh, as, as I said at the beginning of the program, we're speaking with Mike Perlow. He's the president and founder of Perlow Productions, and you can learn more about him at perloproductions.com. And I should mention, since we're talking about liking and sharing, you can find us on pretty much every social media platform out there with the exception of Snapchat. So you can find Perlo Productions on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, even TikTok. Um, Oh, wow. What's that? I said, oh, wow, TikTok. I just joined TikTok recently. I'm going to tell you something. Um, I don't know if either of you are followers of Gary Vee, who's a very passionate uh, entrepreneur and inspirational speaker himself, who I'm a huge fan of, uh, if you can get over his use of a certain F word that he uses regularly. But as he says, it's really just part of his vernacular. Um, and I actually respect that. But my point is, he has been talking about for a long time, uh, we're talking about social media, that LinkedIn and TikTok are the two social media, and they're so different, the two social media platforms with the most room for growth for, for businesses and organizations that are trying to build their name. And I will tell you that, you know, even when I first got on TikTok, I mean, I have kids that are on it, my kids and their friends, right? And so when, when they heard I was going on it, it's not me, like I created a Perlo Productions TikTok, um, they, they laughed at me, right? And I will say that even in the, I don't know, three or four months that I've been on it, I've seen the growth it's gone through. And I don't mean in terms of number of people. I mean, it's gone from just like a lot of teenage kids doing silly things to, first of all, the audience of people on there is, I mean, now people that are like 40, 50 and over joke about how, you know, they're on there and they're not the only ones on there, right? I mean, there's a growing age range. Certainly it appeals first and foremost to the teenage audience. But again, I would say, listen, no, nowhere better than a faith organization, right? Appealing to children. I mean... Uh, honestly, like I couldn't think of a better platform if you were trying to get your message out to, to teenagers and young kids right now who, you know, as much as anybody needs some guidance. Uh, I mean, you have that audience there. And I think people's people, the, the first thing you see is silly dances. And unfortunately, people not always dressed most appropriately. But so there's a lot of things you might see. Like, oh, this is not the place for us. But if you kind of move through the clutter, there's a lot of and I'll give you an example on a whole different arena. But just to show you. So I'm a huge Star Wars fan, okay? And what I found is as soon as I started finding more people on there that would post things related to Star Wars, I would start getting more. I see more of their activity. What it showed me is that it's so much about where your interests are and how you start connecting and seeing that content. So once TikTok even recognizes where your interests are, it shows you less of that stuff you really don't want to see. Um, although I've noticed sometimes I've noticed sometimes things will come through and I can tell it's like their own, uh, way of seeing if I'm interested in it. Right. And if, when I just swipe past it, um, but I saw as soon as I started liking different star Wars posts of getting inundated with them, which in a way was kind of cool, right? I was seeing how many people, so I, I have no doubt that if I, you know, started looking at, you know, faith-based posts or even just, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of things. I mean, people talking about, you know, drug addiction, people talking about, you know, abusive relationships, people talking about, I'm sure there's lots talking about faith. I haven't particularly gone in that direction on TikTok, but I would bet you that there's a ton of that there. Um, so my point is that I, uh, I think social media in general has 
I mean, first of all, right now, I would say that anybody who has a business, a service, you know, any organization, any faith-based organization, I mean, honestly, anybody out there trying to grow their audience, and that word audience I'm using very broadly, okay, if they are not putting themselves out on social media stronger than ever right now, they are literally missing out on a mammoth opportunity because the online and social media audience right now, as one of my colleagues said recently, it's like the Super Bowl is on TV every single day. That's how big the audience is. Mm-hmm. And the opportunity to get yourself in front of that audience right now and to build your following, but also find potential customers, members, whatever you want to call them for the future is unlike any other time. And, and I, I think, unfortunately, because not to talk too much business here, but because tip, typically when the economy goes in the tank, the first thing to go is the marketing and advertising and all of that. And social media is kind of part of that. Unfortunately, a lot of businesses and organizations, because they've slashed their budgets, have decided we don't have the time or resources to put to this and put content out. But I will tell you that, I mean, I found it on for Perlo Productions and we were already big into this. I mean, the opportunity to get in front of people People, I will tell you this, people are going to look back a year from now that didn't do any of this and see a massively wasted opportunity. Um, And and I've tried to preach this to many people, but I I, I think a lot of people still aren't aware of how large an audience you have out there for whatever it is you do. And and your your podcast just as much, right? I mean, getting this, I mean, the opportunity to get this podcast in front of more people is bigger than than ever before. Amen. Uh, There's so many things came to my mind. Uh, as you were speaking. And first, I want to say I agree on it. Uh, the one thing you mentioned about TikTok is I will say now that I've been a member, I have keyed into the search engine things to do with our faith. And yes, I mean, there's some videos. And now I, I'll admit I haven't done as much with it as I probably should be, but it is an opportunity uh, even for you know people in the church. So if you're listening and you are a church member active and, and want to reach especially younger people, right, Mike? I mean, you want to reach young people. This could be a way uh, to to evangelize as well and, and, to, and to talk about our faith and to try to spread that. Um, and then the other thing you said about missing the opportunity, if you're not putting it out on social media, putting content, as Bill and I, you and I have discussed content and how important that is, um, for people who are listening to on this podcast, especially churches and you know pastors and such, um, you know, it is the way to connect with your audience, especially, uh, I know, especially millennial and younger, correct, Mike? Yeah, although, again... Even older. Uh, yeah, I mean, honest, honestly, that when I talk about that audience, I don't just mean millennial or younger. I mean, mm. in general. I mean, yeah. I'm guessing we're all in the same general age range. How many of our peers are on their devices all day long on, you know, whatever their favorite social media platform is, or just surfing online? Um, you know, I, I guarantee you when you look back at the numbers for the Amazons of the world and any kind of online purchases, the numbers are going to be through the roof yes. because that's how people are shopping now more. I mean, they already were, right? But uh-huh. even more so now, yeah. right? Even more so now. And um, and I think any business that that has sold things online or could that isn't now is, again, probably missing a big opportunity. And... Um, but yeah, no, I think, I think again, TikTok obviously skews younger, but it's growing more and more. Facebook used to be the same way. 
I mean, Facebook was always was a younger audience and then it grew much, much, much older to the point where like, I think the 65 and above audience was the biggest portion of it for a while. <laughs> now I think younger people, some are siphoning back. I notice like people, like friends of mine who have like children in high school and college are now starting to kind of some getting back into Facebook. Um, but I think that in general, just the social media audience, and sometimes you have to try different channels to see where you find your best following, right? I mean, for us, we typically find it's Facebook and LinkedIn because, you know, it's funny, even though we focus on the virtual part, our typical focus as a company over the years has been much more corporate video. So creating, you know, videos for sales and marketing and recruiting purposes for businesses um, from as small as a local bank or credit union to national, international companies like Dell Technologies. Uh, so we do, you know, live action videos, animation, uh, I mentioned you know, augmented reality. So my point is we've kind of taken all of that. Um, so our audience can be very diverse. We work with pretty much every arena. Traditionally, we are not a, you know, we're not a wedding video company. We don't shoot your kid's soccer game. Um, so we don't do things like that. In fact, even the high school graduations has been a pivot because even there, like we don't traditionally do work with high schools. Um, not because we don't want to, but just hasn't really been our, our, our market, so, so to speak. Although, I, you know, I think one of the things I'm excited about it is, is that we're live streaming most of these virtual graduations. And yeah. this is an opportunity for us to get our work in front of all these families. And all of these families are made up of people, many who own businesses or work perhaps in marketing or recruiting or fundraising or whatever it may be. So to me, like, even though it's a very different audience for us, I feel like it's putting us in front of probably thousands of people, many who knew of us, but many who had never heard of Perlo Productions. So I, I look at it from that you know, perspective as well, which excites me. And, uh, you know, uh, I mean, Anne, if you and I hadn't been speaking with our mutual friend, I wouldn't be on your podcast right now, right? So, so you know. You took the words out of my mouth. I was just going to make a shout out to Rita Stern if she's listening. Hello, Rita. And thank you so much for the introduction. And then now I met Rita uh, virtually through my friend, Tracy Flynn. So if she's listening, I say hi to Tracy because see how that worked? Tracy introduced me to Rita. Rita introduced the two of us. So uh, it's 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 just awesome. I, I you know we're you know coming like fifteen minutes left in the program. Now if somebody's listening, and you know they might be seriously thinking, you know I might want to reach out to Mike. Um, I I I work at a church where I'm having this uh, event at my uh, uh, religious institution, whatever. I'm, I'm saying religious because this is, as I said, it is a Sewing Hope Catholic podcast. Um, so what would be some of those initial steps some of those people can take in order to uh, find out about your services and what would be sort of that process for them in getting started so that they can maybe start working with you? Sure. I mean, uh, obviously go to our website, perloproductions.com, but frankly, Email me, call me. I'm, you know, I'm a very accessible person. Uh, my email is simple. It's Mike, M-I-K-E, at perloproductions.com. Uh, you're always welcome to call me. And my business line is my cell line. It's 856-669-1669. It's all, all of that's on our website as well. So you go to the Contact Us page of our website, or really any page on our website, you'll see phone number, email, all of that. Um, so I'm always happy just to brainstorm ideas, um, you know, uh, and, and, you know, when it comes to particularly nonprofit organizations, um, you know, we are not a, you know, we're not a, a low cost, uh, production company. So sometimes we are, you know, beyond 
budget for some organizations, although I'll say that particularly right now, we've tried to be a bit more price aggressive to, to work with as many people as we can. And as I've said, people help you market during this time. Uh, even with our animated videos, which are not low-cost productions, we've, we have an offering on our website for animated videos, specifically for animated videos, that we, and we've never been a company to say, oh, we're discounting things 50%, which has never been our approach, but we applied some very discounted pricing to our animated videos in hopes that people would take advantage of that. Surprisingly, not as many people have as we thought, so it may just not be where people's heads are, but I've even reached out to clients that we've done animated videos for in the past and said, hey, listen, you could get an amazing you know, new version or another one of what we've done for you at a fraction of what you paid before, take advantage of what we're offering. And, you know, so some are thinking about it. Um, but in general, I, I am, you know, I love to talk ideas. You don't have to call me ready to do a production uh, to call me or email me. Um, but you know, the things I always ask are, think about what your goals are. You know, why, why do you want to do this? Whether it's producing a video or live streaming an event or creating a virtual event or you know, whatever the production may be. You know, what, what are the goals of it? Some of the questions I always like to ask are, you know, what will make it, what will make it successful? You know, at the end of this, when you look back on this, what will make it successful? Are you raising money? Are you trying to build your name? Are you trying to, you know, whatever, whatever that, that goal is, make sure you have a goal in mind before we start producing whatever we're producing. Uh, you know, having an understanding of who your audience is and how, we, how you speak to those people. So depending on what it is, you know, do they have great understanding and expertise of whatever you're speaking about, or are they are they newbies or a mix? Um, and even just the general vibe of whatever we're creating is this, you know, uh, even within the virtual graduations. I mean, we're doing some things that are really fun and silly, and some that are very very serious and straightforward because certain schools just want to kind of preserve the uh, the the just the, the nature of a, of a graduation, really being respectful to it. So, you know, understanding that within each group we work with is important too. And sometimes we try things and I tell people like, if you don't like this, tell me, we're not offended. Better we know early on that you don't like the approach we're taking and we pivot it, then get to the end and you're like, this is really cool, but it's totally not what we had in mind. Um, so I really always try to avoid that. But yeah, more than anything, I'm always happy to be a sounding board. And, and also if you see something that we've done, you like on our website, or you've seen elsewhere. I always love seeing examples of things, even if it's been done by somebody else, because that gives us a great reference point for what you see and what you like. Um, so yeah, I mean, really, um, any, any and all of those ways. And again, you know, hope people will follow us on social media. They can follow us on YouTube as well. I think that's the one I didn't mention YouTube where, I mean, it has the majority of our videos are there as well as on our website. Uh, when we do live stream events, they're often, they're usually posted. If the live stream is in public, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't, depending on the event. If it's not, the, the event live stream is usually posted right after that, so it can be seen in a, in a recorded format. Um, so including one that we, I was mentioning we did for uh, a Hebrew college in Boston, which was their big uh, tribute event, and we did a full virtual event, a 30-minute production, and, it was, and it's on our YouTube channel now. And it was just, to me, I was, it actually came out better than I expected because of you know recording everything through Zoom and through mobile devices, but we put graphics and animation and music and all to it, and it really, it came out great. So it was made me feel good about what, what can be accomplished. That's right. amazing. I, I have to check out your YouTube page. I admit I haven't yet, but I want to invite people to go on YouTube and connect with you and follow and subscribe. And is it at Perlo Productions, obviously, on YouTube? Pretty much. I think the only one that isn't Perlo Productions is our... Twitter handle, which I think is like Pearl Productions, but even on Twitter, if you search Perlo Productions, it will come up. Um, so yeah, pretty much everything else is is Perlo Productions of some some variety on our various social media platforms. Yeah, 
Bill, he, I know that you and he have so much in common. I wondered if you had any comments on it because uh, especially these the virtual graduations at this time of COVID is just a great service that you've offered to to people, isn't it, Bill? Oh, yeah. No, I think, um, you know what, it, it, it's amazing learning from you and just getting to meet you and talk with you, Mike. Um, you've got uh, some amazing uh, perspective on this time and and how people can connect with one another because you know the human the human heart has a uh, has a commonality between between everything and that's connecting with others. Uh, we we desire it. It's it's built into our humanity is is connection. Uh, we we need to connect with people um, in in a variety of ways and of course uh, human interaction is a is a huge piece of that. Uh, you know, person to person, in person, uh, human interaction is is you know is just important. Uh, but during this time where that seems to have been reduced to, you know, immediate family members and, uh, you know, f- you know, maybe maybe some small group of friends living nearby or whatever. Um, a- after after that, you know, you've just given some great perspective on how we remain connected and, and how we feed our souls in some respects too. Uh, you know, by by being able to, you know, honor the accomplishments of graduates by being able to, uh, you know, worship on, on some level, uh, virtually, uh, with, with our, with our, you know, church communities. I mean, the work you're doing is, is wonderful, wonderful work. And, um, I just have been, uh, you know, I've, I've got a chance to learn a lot and also, uh, just, just connect with you. And yeah, it's just, it's just awesome to to have another, uh, you know, geek in the room. I learned learning so much from you, Mike. And, and, and of course I'm always learning from you too, Bill, about the digital world and social media. So um, now Mike, you know, maybe somebody's listening, maybe there's a young person listening who would like to get involved in something like what you do. And that journey that you shared at the beginning of the program was really incredible how God kind of worked in your life and brought you to where you are. Would you have a couple points of advice for a young person who's considering doing this for a life career? Sure. Well, I would say, first of all, that uh, once we're kind of back to more normal and and operating out of our offices in Marlton, New Jersey, uh, we're always on the lookout for interns. Uh, They do have to be at least a, uh, a college freshman. Um, or can be a college graduate, but we don't typically take high school students as interns. Um, but if you're in college or recent graduate and interest interest in internship, we are always on lookout for interns. So certainly feel free to, to reach out to me about that. Uh, I've had a couple people reach out recently, and I told them, which I tell anybody, which is you know as soon as we're back in the offices, we'll you know be open to bringing in new interns because we've had some great ones over the years. Um, the biggest piece of advice I would give, and it really doesn't have as much to do with video production as it does just kind of, I don't know, not to get too deep, but like about life in general. And it's something that I've always lived. And I think, uh, I don't know, I, I feel too many people do not do, which is, you know, not to be afraid to go after your dreams. Uh, I mean, when I was, you know, high school, college age, and I wanted to be a TV sportscaster, I think even my parents who were incredibly supportive thought I was crazy, but, <laughs> but they didn't discourage me. Right. Uh, I mean, but there were even certain points in my TV career where I was, you know, at a point where I was struggling and couldn't get that next opportunity. And I can remember the conversation like it was yesterday where they said, you know, maybe it's time for you to look into something else and, and not, not forcing me to, but suggesting it. And I remember saying at the time, you know, 
I'm not quitting this until I'm ready to, or if I'm ready to. And so part of it was my persistence, but I think also like encouraging yourself and encouraging your children to, you know, they'll, you know, we only go through this world once, go after your dreams. Don't be afraid to, you know, don't go the safe route, you know, pick something and, and, and do something that you love and that you're passionate about. Uh, I remember years ago, ran into a guy I knew who was considerably older than me. Uh, and I asked him how, uh, how his job was going or whatever, whatever he's doing. And he said, ah, he said, you know, if it was supposed to be fun. They wouldn't call it work. And I remember hearing that. And I was like in my twenties at the time, hearing that thing like that's really sad. Like yeah. people oh, yeah. and I, listen, I realize there's, you know, economic reasons that sometimes people are forced to take jobs that they might not dream of. But I think when you're, you know, high school, college age and, and beyond, that's the time to go after whatever your dream is and not be afraid to do that and and push yourself to do things that might not be so uh, mainstream. Uh, it doesn't mean being a lawyer, a doctor, an accountant, any of those things aren't great careers if you're passionate about them. But, you know, but if that's not what your passion is, if your passion is knitting or, you know, whatever it is, I don't know, <laughs> whatever yeah. random it may be, okay, don't be afraid to go after it if you're passionate about it and, and, and pursue a career in it, even if it's not, you know, the thing that's going to bring you the quick big paycheck or the, th- the opportunity that brings you the most career um, stability. Because at that point in your life, that's the time to do all, do all these things, right? And I think today, like more and more people wake up in their, you know, 40s and 50s or even sometimes beyond and say, you know, I never did that and now I'm going to try it. And in some cases they're able to. But uh, for me, like I never wanted to turn down, turn around, you know, I'm 50 now and turn around, I'm 50 or 60 and say, why didn't I try to be a TV sportscaster? Why didn't I, I never did go bungee jumping, but I don't really regret that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so I think in general, that's something that I, you know, it's hard to tell other parents that, right? Like we all as parents have to make our own decisions as parents, but I just feel like too much in society today is kind of wants to take the safe route. And I think it's unfortunate because I think, you know, we should all go after our dreams while, you know, while we're able to. Right. And um, so, so that's really my advice. If, if it's video production, if it's whatever it is, you know, find all the opportunities you can to do it, to be involved in it. Uh, you know, within our business, there are so many, I always tell people like, if you are in college or coming out of college and you know how to do basic video editing, you're a thousand times better than most of the people doing it at any typical company or organization out there, right? Again, mm. whether it's a church or, yep. or you know, a pharmaceutical company, okay, whatever it is, and more of them are more and more of them are hiring people with our skill set, but most of those places don't have experienced people. Amen. So you bring a skill set to the table that they need more and more every day. And so don't just think about the traditional, whether it's working for a TV station or a production company or starting your own company. Think about industries maybe that interest you where you could take your skills and, and do that in, right? So again, you know, doing videos for, you know, if you're passionate about your church, for your church, if you're passionate about, um, you know, basketball, for a basketball team, whatever, you know, whatever it might be. And, and really kind of, you know, thinking big picture with, with, uh, with where your interests lie. Totally agree. Totally agree, Mike. You know, you brought up a really good point about being uh, just countercultural. Being countercultural during this time, um, you know, is is a great thing. You know, we we have to uh, just remember that um, we're, we're as, as Catholics, as Christians, we you know we shouldn't be, um, and, and as people of faith, you know, as well, uh, we shouldn't just be following a societal script. Uh, you know, there's this uh, script that, you know, you kind of alluded to there that, you know, people, people are following, right? It's like, okay, I've got to go to 
go to uh, school so I can get a, you know, uh, a job. And then I got to go uh, get a job because I want, maybe want to get married and then I get married and then I want to just have kids. And that's, you know, this, you know, this cycle, but it, it, it doesn't maybe fulfill, it doesn't maybe fulfill uh, the heart fully. Right. And so, and so we have different, um, you know, things that fulfill the heart and work, you know, and being passionate about a work is, is one of those things that provides us fulfillment uh, through, through God's hands. So for, for, so for sure, uh, Mike, you know, what you're talking about is, is, is right in line with, uh, with everything that our listeners should be, um, should be taking to heart, you know, uh, be, become passionate about something, become passionate about something and, and, uh, and, and follow that and follow that because that is where, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit, God is going to impact you, uh, in, in your life and, and give you, um, a unique mission, you know, and Mike, you certainly found your mission to, to, to inspire people, to help people. Uh, and, and of course, you know, created a great career out of it, but, but that's wonderful, uh, you know, for, for people, uh, to just keep in mind. Uh, so, so thank you for your advice and thank you for, uh, your, your just, uh, being so open with us today. My, my pleasure. My pleasure. And I, you know, I, I hope people take what I was just saying is, as not so much preachy, but just as, you know, coming from my own experience of, you know, um, you know, just don't be afraid to go after your dreams. Amen. Well, uh, folks, we're wrapping up. It's hard to believe we're wrapping up an hour flies by. Uh, it really does uh, when you have great guests. So, so thank you, Mike. Again, uh, us, close. yeah, well, thanks. Hey, uh, set, give us your website one more time, Mike. Sure, it's perloproductions.com. It's P-E-R-L-O-W productions with an S at the end, dot com. And again, you can follow us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, uh, LinkedIn, and, you know, and I'm, I'm as Mike Perlo also on a number of those platforms as well. So feel free to follow us on both. Uh, Sincere thanks from me uh, and from uh, Sewing Hope Podcast. My pleasure. Thank you both. Yes. Uh, again, follow um, follow Mike. Uh, I was able to watch his uh, intro video on Perlo Productions YouTube uh, last night, and so that's so cool. Uh, check out, definitely check that out. He's got amazing services, folks. Uh, especially if you're, uh, you know, looking to looking to uh, better anything with uh, video production in your organization or whatever. Uh, definitely check out PerloProductions.com. Um, I. I want to give us a quick plug here in the final minute. Uh, we have just released a brand new trailer to our uh, series, Discover Your Mission, uh, which is on exclusively on Patreon. So if you can uh, head over to our Patreon and become a member of our uh, $25 tier, Discover Your Mission, you're going to get uh, missions each and every month, uh, full three video uh, missions each and every month that are going to inspire you to uh, live your uh, faith boldly, and passionately and discover your mission in life. A lot of what we were talking about just here in the last few minutes. So uh, head over there. It's only $25 a month to subscribe via our Patreon. And if you also uh, go to our YouTube, you'll be able to watch the brand new trailer for free. So check that out. And uh, again, I extend my uh, sincere thanks to Mike Perlow and as always, uh, Ann DeSantis for uh, helping us. And I know, Ann, uh, you have uh, another good guest coming up this week on uh, your uh, TV show on Friday. You want to give a quick plug for that? Thank you, Bill. Yes. I have Kendra Von Esch, author, speaker, and faith coach. So if you go to Journeys in Faith with Anne DeSantis on Facebook, 
but it will be able to be viewed on Fiat Ministry Network, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. It's a one-hour show. So please join me and meet Kendra Von Esch. And Mike, again, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you both. All right, folks. Well, this has been an episode of Sowing Hope. Thank you for tuning in and being a part of our ministry. And until next time, from all of us here at Patchwork Heart Ministry, I'm Bill Snyder for Andesantis. Keep beating to your Catholic heart and sowing hope into broken hearts. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sowing Hope on Patchwork Heart Radio. For more information about this podcast and our ministries, visit our websites, patchworkheart.org and andesantis.com. You can also follow and interact with us on Twitter at PWH Ministry or Andy Santos 2. Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network invite you to discover your mission. A brand new in-depth monthly video series featuring engaging Catholic speakers who will challenge you to live your life abundantly. For only $25 a month, you will receive a personal monthly mission, including three full-length inspirational talks that build upon a new theme each month. Sign up for the Discover Your Mission tier at patreon.com slash patchworkheartministry today.